You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey folks, Bridget here. I chatted with Ocean Organics Vodka founder, Hawaiian-born Shea Smith. He shared a taste of the story of his magical homeland in the form of a super premium vodka made using fresh-pressed USDA certified organic sugarcane juice and deep ocean water, resulting in a clean, subtle complexity gifted by Ocean's Minerals. Shay and his team at Ocean Organic Vodka is committed to protecting the oceans and has a really cool partnership with the Pacific Whale Foundation to support research, education, and conservation efforts. So sit back, relax, grab yourself an Ocean Organic Vodka Screwdriver Cocktail by adding these ingredients to a tall, ice-filled glass. Two parts Ocean Organic Vodka, two parts fresh orange juice, one and a half parts fresh pineapple juice, juice from a lime wedge. Now stir this really well, folks, and garnish it with two dashes of Angostura bitters. Are you feeling fancy? Add a dried pineapple ring or a fresh pineapple spear as an additional garnish. Enjoy the show. Shay, welcome to Served Up. I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Hello, Bridget. I'm very excited myself. Wonderful. Can you tell me what was going through your mind when the idea for Ocean Organic Vodka was originated? Yeah, so it's a pretty good story. It starts off when I was about 25 years old, about 16 years ago. And I was born and raised here on Maui and I was came back from college after having a, a few different uh, businesses I'd created. And uh, I sold those, came back to Maui to start you know, building my life again back here in home. And we're in construction and development. And so I kind of rolled back into that. Part of that whole process is a lot of times in Hawaii, you're taking like agricultural land and you're turning it into urban to homes, which is a, which is a good thing as long as it's, it's managed properly. But it's also kind of highlighted a fact for me that, that Hawaii needed value-added agricultural products that it could sell outside of Hawaii. So I kind of sparked something in me just to start investigating. And over the course of a few years, I realized that agricultural items shipped out of Hawaii are perishable most of the time. <laughs> so it made it for a lot of challenges that I could see why it was it was that way. And in that process, it kind of was like, well, you know, I think I was drinking and thinking or thinking and drinking, one of them. Um, but it was, you know, realizing spirits are an agricultural-based product that are then processed into um, a non-perishable. And so that was kind of the aha moment. And I took off on that adventure. And here I am. 
Well, tell us a little bit about that adventure. Tell our listeners about how it really is, you know, a family development, right? It is something that you came together with your mother and and your brother and your father. And I think our listeners would really love to hear more about that. Yeah, it was like like most entrepreneurial endeavors. You kind of you kind of gather up as many family members and crazy people you can, right? Because uh, you have this this great idea, and this is what you're going to do. And for me, I was not in the spirits business. I had not been a bartender. I had not. I mean, it was a, a de- it was a deviation from what it was I had as like what my core competencies were at that point, right? Sure enough, I got them all. I got them all uh, juiced up enough, no pun intended, uh, to to get them on board. And it, it was we kind of we call it blood, sweat, and tears for quite a few years of learning how it was um, building out our own facilities um, with our own, you know, with our own hands. Pretty much everything that we we do, we create ourselves um, from the buildings to. Well, we don't make the stills and stuff like that, but we will get them from the, you know, the top guys. And then we do everything that thereafter for it. So it kind of came in all those pieces that I had before kind of came into the mix. And then with the family, it really was starting from starting from scratch, building it, building a team. And at this point, most of, you know, I, most of my family members are not having to be in it on a day-to-day basis like myself. Um, it's just me and I, I pretty much am over everything. And my, uh, my brother runs all of our farming side of the, of the business. That's really cool. Can you tell us about the farm itself and really about that special place where Ocean Organic Vodka is produced? It's quite a magical place. It started as an incredible search. Actually, it started in an industrial facility, right? So we had we didn't do tours or we nobody visited us for the first six to seven years. We were just in an industrial warehouse, and there was really no interaction with the general public. Everything was done either at on premise or off premise locations throughout the state and a little bit of out of outside of the state of Hawaii. That was fine, but we also realized as a smaller group and a smaller brand, it was important to be able to have those touch points, right? Where you get visitors to come and experience your brand, come to your home and see what you're doing, why you're doing it, the the pieces that you put together that differentiate you in the category, in the space, in in, in a lot of things. And and that part of it kind of pushed us to to go from just more of an industrial kind of feel into something more similar to say a winery where you have a state style growing of sugarcane and the whole uh, tour and tasting and and now we actually have a, a restaurant and bar as well so it's kind of evolved all the way to that but it's a 80 acre piece of property that we acquired about nine years ago and it was literally just a blank canvas. It was all overgrown, had been in cattle for about, um, you know, 25 years. Prior to that, it was in sugarcane. So for us as organic farmers, it was kind of the challenge was to find uh, a parcel of land that could be organic right out the, right out the gate as we started that, that farming side of the process. And this one, fortunately, was that. And, and but there was a catch to it where it didn't have any water, <laughs> it, it, you know, hence why it hadn't sold for a long time. 
And, but it was, uh, you know, our background again came into, uh, came into being a very valuable part of the puzzle of like, okay, we have this 80 acre parcel that we, we can acquire, but there are these infrastructure improvements that are necessary. And so we kind of jumped in and said, yeah, well, we can, we can find water. <laughs> and, you know, lucky for us, sure, sure we did. <laughs> so that whole side of it. So we were able to develop it out. And now utilizing that, that well water that we have, the, the property being that it's not in a very wet side of the, of the island. It allows us to to have it feel like and have all the green kind of not only lawns but also sugarcane and agriculture going on as you you know as you as you come to the farm to experience it. So it's at about eleven hundred foot elevation on the island of Maui, up on the on the Haleakala side of Maui, and the way it's situated, it looks right at the West Maui Mountains and both oceans on both sides. So you have the North Shore and the South Shore. And we have about a, you know, almost an acre lawn out in front of the cafe and bar. And uh, you can imagine what people do. They sit around, eat amazing food and cocktails and just enjoy the view and the people around them. So it's been quite an adventure and has turned out to be quite a, quite a special place for, for ourselves to work, as well as, you know, people to come by and enjoy or discover Ocean Organic Vodka and some of the other products that we produce. Yeah, it sounds absolutely um, amazing. You know, I want to get back to the ingredients of Ocean Organic and some of the really great um, sustainability practices that you're putting into place for Ocean Organic around sugarcane. And I would also like to talk a bit about that deep ocean water that you use, because I think that that is something that is incredibly special to your brand. And I know that there's a great reason behind it why you use it. So can we dive a little bit more into those ingredients? Yeah. And it kind of goes back to the, you know, you're going to start, you're going to start a business, right? And you want to look at what are the key elements to, to one, being successful, right? And so you're looking at differentiating factors. And a lot of what has happened over the years and generations has, has been where, you know, people come to Hawaii and they create Hawaii tourist products, you know, so to speak, right? Where they're really selling things based on the fact that it's it's Hawaii, and that's what they're they're kind of counting on. Um, being that I was born and raised on Maui, the whole approach was to actually create something that would compete based on quality in the world. the The provenance is only relevant because that's where our family's from, right? So we we chose to to create something here agriculturally, and it was a spirits brand. Um, and so from there, you kind of go, okay, well, we're going to do it. This is, this is kind of how we're looking at it. So now you got to, you know, back into it and say, here's what is traditional out there in the marketplace. And, and realize this was about 16 years ago. And 16 years ago was the internet kind of worked. <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm not, no, it's not that long ago, but uh, yeah, but, but in reality, it, it was, I think there were, when we started and we opened our distillery, I think there was maybe 30 distilleries in the country. And now there's like 2,500 or something like that. So in that first stage, you're, you're really just looking at that base of what's, what's been out there. What are people drinking? And, and I was, 
very fond of some of the some of the leading brands out there in the vodka space. So we play around with ingredients and we ended up landing on the organic sugar cane. At the time, Hawaii was, or Maui specifically, had about 20,000 acres in sugarcane. So it was an industry that we were in. So I was like, okay, that's definitely something that is workable and we can go down that kind of a path. So we, we developed a, a vodka out of organic sugarcane. I think we were one of the first to, to do it. I, you know, don't, don't quote me on that one, but it was definitely one of the, one of the first looking at a vodka to go with straight from sugar and not from the starch or, you know, potatoes or corns or, or the like. And so we kind of, we, we said, we can grow that. We can do those pieces. It's already grown here. There's a lot of things to go. So we're like, okay, there's a differentiating factor, right? As we are saying, we want to compete, but we want to be different. We don't want it to be Hawaii. We want that to be, you know, frosting on, on a really good cake. And so, you know, we were like, okay. And, and as we were doing that, I, we were using just normal water um, and we were developing out the flavor profile we were looking for, for um, our vodka for ocean. I read an article in, in, in the newspaper and it was this article on this deep ocean mineral water. And I'm like, what? I never heard of this before. And sure enough, I, you know, scratched around like I did with the rest of the project, (laughs) found somebody who knew somebody who would introduce me to somebody. And I was able to get some samples of the deep ocean water. Um, It is desalinated, but they do put some of the minerals back into it. And our partner sells it more as a health supplement water. So with the minerals and the pH on it, it's it's different water. And for us, we were just looking at it because it was unique. It was a resource that when we think about water, especially on an island, but we're seeing this all across the, across the world now. But back in the day, we always had water issues, right? We'd be a drought, you know, don't use the water. And we're on an island, only so much rain comes. We don't have desalination as a, a thing that we do. So I was like, okay, well, here's an opportunity to take the world's most valuable resource and most plentiful resource as a water source and use that in our product. So ocean organic vodka in its DNA has ocean water from 3000 feet deep. And what was interesting, because we had, we had done samples with just the regular RO water, and then we did it with the deep ocean mineral water. And there was significant difference in mouthfeel, texture, um, flavor, you know, in that it had a little bit more of, it highlighted a little bit more of the sweetness that comes off of the spirits that we produce. Overall, that mouthfeel and that sweetness have got a lot of people who are, I don't like vodka, go, well, I like ocean. <laughs> they go, okay, me too. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the, the base ingredients of it. And so overall, and if you, if you think about it, you're, you know, you're obviously a very seasoned cocktail mixologist pro and in adding those, those seasonings, those minerals, those salts to things gives it that, that more, a little bit more vibrancy. And that's what we've noticed in a lot of the, the drinks that are made with ocean. They just have a little bit different vibrancy to them, which is nice. Yeah. And I think that that's what sets ocean apart right? I mean, it really does where you can mix it in a cocktail 
And it's not just going to uplift, let's say a nice citrus that you have in it, but it's going to truly sing even through that citrus where you're just going to get that little hint of sweetness. And it really makes a really balanced, you know, um, final um, beverage, which is incredible for a vodka to do. Um, so congratulations on that. Thank you very much. I, I make sure I test it almost every day. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> um, I want to I take it back to and talk a little bit more about the sugar cane, because something that I read was that, you know, that you're using an heirloom variety at the farm and you're really doing your best to um, to help to just kind of regentrify that industry um, on the island. So can we talk a little bit more about what you all are doing to help really sustain the um, the sugarcane industry, as well as, you know, it reflects in your vodka. Yeah, I think we are the sugarcane industry right now. <laughs> so it is it has basically uh, disappeared over the last five years. And um, fortunately, we had been on this path and have about 30 acres of our own here that we grow. Uh, and we're partnering with with local farmers and uh, and Another 50 acres has been planted in the last month, and we have up to 200 acres we could do here near the farm. And so that, that's something we're, we're going after. It really isn't a cost-effective way to, to do it, but for, for us, it really just kind of brings back in the, the why is it made here, what are we doing, and what is it, how is it preserving and conserving land, Right. In, in agriculture and for us, organic agriculture. Uh, but as it comes back to sugarcane, again, being born and raised here, sugarcane was everywhere. It was 20,000 acres. You drove past it every day, you know, go to school, go to the, you know, go to the store. And it was just one of those things you saw and, you know, and you sugarcane's a sugarcane's a sugarcane, right? That's what I thought. And when we got into this project, sure enough, like anything, that's not what it was. <laughs> um, and part of that, part of that discovery, part of that education in this was that sugarcane actually came from like Micronesia, like or, you know New Guinea, like that far side, you know the the far west of the Pacific, and that's where it, that's where it originated. And through the you know the the voyaging and all the the, the travel, the traversing across the globe, it would they would pack it in their their goodies, right? In their little their little food pack of where are they taking? It was one of the things they would take with them on their voyages to go find you know new lands. And sure enough, they you know the pre Hawaiians had it with them, and when they discovered Hawaii, and they kind of reference them as they call them canoe cane because it's these varieties that were not indigenous to Hawaii, but were brought here by the first settlers, you know, Polynesian settlers. And so, and I was like, wow, that's pretty crazy. How many, how many varieties are there? And as we started to look at it, there are about a hundred different canoe cane varieties, and they all have different significance for the, the Hawaiian or the Polynesian culture. And that's why they had brought them along with them. Um, they're also different in in shape, like the, some will be bulbous, some will be real long links in between um, the you know each segment, and there will also be different colors. So you have some that are rich 
purpley red, some are dark purple, some are yellow, some are variegated. And there's just, you know, and that's even in the leaves change as well. And you're just like, wow, this is actually a lot more interesting than one would think with sugarcane, right? And part of our, um, you know, tasting kind of walks you through, it's like a mini tour kind of thing of the farm. We have all those, you know, canoe canes kind of set up with names in front of them, the Hawaiian names. And we, we talk a little bit about them on the tour. We don't utilize all of them and what we're doing. It's just more of a, wow, I realized that. And I wanted to share that part of what sugarcane is. And people seem to enjoy it because similarly, like, well, I didn't realize there were that many different sugar canes. And so it's a nice little piece of it. Um, we kind of settled on one variety. It's called Kokea or Kea. And we chose that because the way we grow who a lot of, at least to date, we thought we were, there was going to still be sugar cane. And that's why we were kind of looking at it as an industry and not thinking we had to become the, the full farmer. So as we started to do it, it's a lot of handwork. We do have a couple machines, um, but everything is, it started with the little tiny juicer. Now it's got to be a bigger one. And then now that one's not big enough. Now we have this bigger one. And so you, you just in, in finding that process of getting you to where you can do all these, these things together, you're, you learn a lot. And for us, it was like, okay, well, some cane likes to lay down and then it, you know, it tangles with the stuff next to it. And then if you put them too close, then when it's time for harvest, you're, fi- you're just fighting it the whole time. Um, the cocaea or kea variety is kind of a straight, it grows straight up. It doesn't really like to lay down. And so we're able to create, and we call it more of an estate style planting, where here on the farm, we plant them about 10 to 15 feet apart each row. In so much as you get more of a, a feel of, say, like a, a winery as you look down the rows. And for us, when it comes to harvesting, <laughs> it's a lot easier for us to um, actually lay it down, pick it up, take it to where it needs to get you know, processed. And so it's a twofold, but that one variety has, you know, has that growing characteristic and its sugar content is, is relatively high in comparison to a lot of the others. And it is pretty good at being, you know, naturally pest resistant. And so that's, that's kind of where we landed. And, and with the additional 50 acres we just planted, that's, that's the same variety we planted out there. And we kind of just mimic what we know. Um, could we get more tonnage out of an, an acre? Probably. And we'll probably learn those things over the course of the next, you know, one to two growing seasons. And that's kind of how we're looking at it as, you know, we're, we're not, we're not farmers. We weren't distillers. We weren't, you know, we weren't restaurateurs. All of these things have come together because they just, you know, one thing meshed into the next thing. And fortunately for me, my team and the, the, the people I have involved are very, very good at what they do. And even if they don't know it, they know how to figure out how to get it done. Um, alongside myself. And, and so, you know, it's, it's like any, any entrepreneurs, what are you going to do? Is it going to do it? <laughs> you know, hopefully cross your fingers, you, you, you make it. Yeah. Fortunately for us, we've, we've made it and we're, we're thriving. So it's exciting. Well, what I love most about Ocean Organic Podcast story really is that the thoughtfulness um, behind the brand with your farming, 
you know, really using a unique water source and creating something really special, you know, for the consumers and for, you know, bartenders to go wild with. So I think that it's amazing what you all are doing out there in Maui. But I would like to, yeah, yeah. I want to shift it over to some of the really amazing work that Ocean is doing with the Pacific Whale Foundation. Can you tell our listeners, first of all, what the Pacific Whale Foundation is and how Ocean supports? Yeah, the Pacific Whale Foundation is uh, you know, a nonprofit organization that is based here in Maui. And the, a big part of what they do, they, they, they do have a commercial component where they take visitors out to experience the whales, to experience the ocean. But they also have this whole educational side where they have naturalists on the boat that are trying to educate people on what it is, what we need to do to, for one, preserve our whales, right? Our whales are the, are the biggest mammal on the planet. They swim around. They're majestic. Um, they live in the ocean. That the ocean brings life to everything here on the planet. And those key components, and with anything, it's it's always goes back to education. And that is a key component for for the Pacific Whale Foundation is research and education, and then obviously you know preservation of those things by by doing the research, doing the education. And watching how those things coupled together actually help preserve and, and, and save our oceans if we, if we follow those paths. So for us, it's something that is, you know, we're on an island in the middle of the ocean, right? So we're already like water is our, is our thing because it surrounds us. We're always in it. We're playing in it. We're, we're using it as a resource. And for ocean organic vodka, it is actually in that DNA as well looking for a group that we could connect with that has a, a similar vision of what we'd like to do. And it is, it's just highlighting the fact. Um, the only way any of this ever really changes is when we do it as a culture, as, as, as a country, as a world, where we say, okay, enough's enough. That's, it's, getting, it's getting way too dirty. Can't swim in it, right? <laughs> and, you know, nothing can swim in it. And at a certain point, it is that education. It's who are we talking to? Why are we talking to them about it? And what is that talking leading to? And Pacific Whale Foundation is an, is an amazing organization that is dedicated to doing those pieces. And since our, you know, our core competencies at this point are in the spirits business, the manufacturing, farming, hospitality, it, it's nice to link up with like-minded groups that have an affinity for the same things that we do, which is preserving, you know, this, this amazing resource that we have on the planet. For us, it's a, it's another way, you know, ocean on the ocean kind of a thing. So it's, it's super nice. We, we like, we, we appreciate them. We, we work, we work with them not only on, you know, from a donation standpoint, but also to events and things of that nature where we have alternate things that and you don't have to go on the boat to learn about it. You can learn about it at, at the whale festival, whale film festival. You know, there's a lot of different things that allow them to, to touch the public, you know, even on land. Yeah, that's really amazing. I mean, I think that it's a lot that maybe folks that live on the mainland don't think a lot about, but how important it is to conserve our waters and especially the critters that live in it and have been uh, well before we were here. So I think that 
it's really amazing that Ocean takes that initiative to partner with the charity and to really do some good work around it. It's pretty amazing. And I know that you've done a lot of creative events to keep it exciting. And, you know, can you tell our listeners a bit about what that experience was like for you, you know, to go on a boat and to experience those whales with the Pacific Whale Foundation? Yeah, whales are one of the most majestic, you know, creatures in the ocean. I'm sure they can swim fast, but normally when I see them, they're not swimming very fast. Um, they're, and when they come to Hawaii specifically, they're ha- having babies. So a lot of the, you know, it's always a lot of mamas and, and calves. And so when you go out there on the boat and they're kind of, you know, the, the naturalists will be talking to you and kind of saying where they come from, how, you know, why they're on this journey. And, and then all of a sudden one pops up next to you, just, and you're like, Oh, wow, that's huge. <laughs> right? It's just that. You know, yeah, you see this, you see a picture of a whale, you see, you know, you see these things. It's kind of like my story on the sugar cane. Well, you see it all the time, but you don't, you don't realize. And once you get out on a boat and you see them in, in real life, the majesticness of them, just how they're, you know, they're just living in nature. And then it kind of comes back. Oh, yeah, we should probably, probably make sure that they can hang around, right? <laughs> Yeah, it sounds sounds like a good thing to do, um, but yeah, that that experience is it's it's you know awe inspiring and uh, to a lot of people you know life changing in in getting that close to nature and and they of course stay the right distance from them and but it it, it is just bringing you that much closer to nature and what it is and why it's worth um, you know saving. Yeah, that sounds incredible. That's something I have not done myself, but definitely on a bucket list. So tell me, yes, tell me more about Ocean Organic Vodka and how bartenders should, especially those who have not picked up a bottle before, you know, where should they start when they are formulating their cocktails with your vodka? I'd say starting meat, just tasting it. And, you know, really kind of letting it open up on the, on the palate and then adding a little water, you know, cutting it, you know, about 50% with water next. That way it just kind of opens it up. It takes the, takes the alcohol heat, so to speak, off the top. And now it just opens it up. So you can see, you go, okay, this is ocean on water, right? Where it's now not 40%, you know, alcohol, it's 20% alcohol. What is that? And, and the way that flavors and how it kind of, you know, touches your palate. And then from there, you can kind of, you know, as, you know, as a professional, obviously, you can kind of see how that could accent different things that you're looking yes. to do. Mm-hmm. And, and for, for me, it's just ocean soda lime, right? Just a, a squeeze of lime, because really, I'm not looking for all, I'm not looking for additional sugars. I just want clean and a little bit of crispness with the citrus. Um, but as you know, but as you look at it, you go, okay, well, I'm a, I'm a cranberry and, and vodka person. You'll, you'll notice, and this is one of the fun things that I do is go, okay, you know, pick your, your number one brand or what you like, and then, you know, do a cranberry and, and that brand, and then do a cranberry and ocean. It seems like one has different cranberry in it. 
<laughs> right? Because the ocean one will just be a little bit more vibrant. It will act, you know, it kind of brings the juices more refreshing. And that's one of those things where, you know, keeping it simple with ocean is, is what I highly recommend. Simple, less is more kind of a kind of per, a perspective. And then I, I believe too, at the, at the end of the day, when you're on a fun evening, it treats you better too. I'm all in that camp. I have to say, you know, mixologists and all just, I, I really believe in keeping it really fresh, keeping it simple, keeping it um, seasonal as well. You know, something yeah. that I've noticed with ocean is that it plays so nicely with the freshness of the seasons, you know, things that are available in the moment at your farmer's markets. And I think that you can have a great time with it as well with herbs. Like, don't be afraid, even if you're making something really, really simple with ocean, add a little mint in it, right? If it's growing your yeah. backyard or a little bit of rosemary, you know, I'm a huge fan of rosemary. I grow a lot of it here in my home and dry it and I use it in cocktails all the time. But I think that it really plays nicely with those fresh fruits, fresh citrus, and of course, you know, the herbs that we have seasonally in nature. Yeah, 100%. We, we do the exact same thing here on the farm with ours. Like right now, it's dragon fruit. It, it's, you know, our, all of our dragon fruit plants are just blossoming and putting off some amazing fruits. And so that's kind of what we have. We obviously make a nice drink with, um, and, the, and the color is just bang and vibrant, mm, right? Yes, purple, yes. Right. And so doesn't have much flavor to a dragon fruit, but you know, you kind of, you kind of play it against some of the citrus and stuff like that. And it gives it a beautiful look, nice flavor profile. And same thing. It's like, okay, the citrus are banging. We got calamansies on, you know, going off over mm -hmm. here. We got dragon fruit over here. And yeah, we do have a whole garden full of rosemary. And, you know, so those are just things that even for our bar and our cafe is okay. Those are fun one-offs that we can, we can do seasonally and they, they, they come and go, you know, oh, so yeah. it's, it is fun. Yeah. I think it's super fun. I also think it's super fun that when you freeze it, you don't lose its flavor, you know? So like if you make a Chi Chi, for instance, uh, you know, a pina colada using vodka instead of rum, it's still going to sink through with that crispness and it's still going to elevate the flavors of that frozen blend, which typically, and a lot of times when you're using a vodka, you're just trying to bury the heat of it. But instead, Correct. something completely opposite is happening with ocean, which makes it just so mixable. And I think incredibly special when it comes to crafting cocktails. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> making, me making me thirsty already. I'm thirsty too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Shay, tell me what's next. What's next for Ocean? Like, where where do you see Ocean, or where do you hope to see Ocean? Let's say in the next five years. Ocean has has been on a life of its own for about the last, I'd say, nine to ten years. Where we're a small family business that is taking a really good run at that craft space. It's conversations like these. It's your it's your audience that hears about it, right? We're 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 not a celebrity brand. We're not highly funded from you know VCs. We're it's just literally a family made this, and over the course of time, they've grown this big, and and we're now one of the larger craft players out there. But it has all been based on discovery. Somebody seen it at a store, 
our, our packaging is very captivating. And we put a lot of thought into, obviously, the story, as you've kind of heard, and the ingredients and the place. And then we also go into the vessel that we're taking it to market with, right? So our packaging for Ocean works for us when we're not there. It, it, it draws you to it. And from there, hopefully, it gets into your hand. You learn a little bit more and hopefully it gets into your cart. But that's really how we've, we've grown the business over the years. And we see ourselves just expanding that by, you know, our, our reach, you know, me being going out there and, and telling the story to more and more people have more and more people come through the farm and experience our home, our hospitality, our spirits. And then from there, taking that back home and, and hopefully sharing that with their friends and family and saying, wow, this is cool. You know, and that's how brands that are created this way actually go somewhere. It's that the the qualities that are put together and the thought and all the pieces actually resonate with the customer. It's just a matter of time for you to touch more and more customers, right? We don't have that celebrity component. We don't have the things that can kind of flip a switch and you got 22 million people could see your stuff, right? You know, that's no, you know, that's that's hard to do. Good for them, just you know, not so good for us. And so we we do it more organically and we're we're happy that way. You know, Ocean Organic Vodka is our our leading brand. It's it's the one we've had out the longest. It has the most distribution across the across the country. But we also have, since we do have a home and we have the ability to produce other spirits, and and my master distiller or our master distiller is name is Bill Scott, and he's one of the he's one of the best you know white and flavored spirits producers there are probably in the world. He's been doing it for 25, 30 years. He is uh, the ultimate professional in in that, and and our whole system of what we put together here is not typical of say a traditional craft distillery where you see the you know real beautiful copper stills in the thing. I mean, we do have those too, uh, but our main system for producing our you know ocean organic vodka and our also our Kula organic rum is very large column distillation. And which allows us going back to my statement at the very beginning, which was I want to compete based on quality. Period. That's where that's where I want to play. I want I want to be able to be put up against the best stuff in the world, and I want to be at the top. And with that, our whole system here is is built that way. Um, it's proprietary. He designed it. We had it built by Vendome Copper and Brass out there in Kentucky, and it is sixty feet tall and. People are like, we call it our Lamborghini. <laughs> it's like, you go, I go, really, Bill? I got to have that. I got to buy that. And he's like, yeah, that's it. Otherwise, I'm not in. And I said, okay, well, guess we're getting the Lamborghini then. Uh, but fortunately, uh, again, his, his skill set and his ability to create just mouthwatering, you know, spirits that then we combine with a mouthwatering kind of a, a ocean water is is pretty spectacular and i you know i count my blessings every day for the team that i have that's all i can say if our listeners find themselves in your neck of the woods how do they find your farm how do they find your distillery where do we send them oh goodness good luck no i'm kidding <laughs> uh it, <laughs> you better ask a local you know no i'm kidding um we <laughs> We're, we're, you know, you just got to look on TripAdvisor where, you know, the, if you're going to Haleakala, which is like the most visited place on the island, 
you go, you know, a lot of people go up for sunrise or sunset. It's a 10,000 foot mountain that, you know, that just towers over the Pacific Ocean. TripAdvisor, Yelp, um, any of those, if you if you look for upcountry Maui, Kula, Haleakala, we're like number two after, you know, after that. So a lot of a lot of ours has been kind of pushed by visitors, right? It, those those sites are are really gauged off of people who have come and wanted to say yeah or yeah or no, right? And so for us, given our, our marketing budget is very small in consideration to what we're up against, um, we've kind of just, people discover us. People go like, I didn't see any advertisements anywhere. And you go, yeah, there aren't any. <laughs> we're working on that. <laughs> we're, we're, getting, we're, getting, we're getting a few here and there, but uh, mostly it is word of mouth and um, your travel sites just highlighting things to not miss on Maui. And we we come up as one of the, the top ones. We In the last two years or three years, we've been rating the top, 10% of attractions worldwide by TripAdvisor. So it's, yeah. it's, it's quite an experience from the views to the cocktails, to the food, to the knowledge and, and all the things that kind of couple in with it. It's, it's a pretty unique and magical experience for, for anybody who's, who is on Maui. Yeah, that's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Top 10%. That's congratulations on that as well. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Well, Shay, I want to thank you so much for being on Served Up, for taking your time with me today and with our listeners. And I want to wish you just some great health and a whole lot of peace and cheers to you. Cheers to Hawaii Sea Spirits and to Ocean Organic Vodka. Thank you so much, Bridget. I appreciate the the time and uh, aloha to you and all your listeners and have a beautiful year. Hey, Served Up friends, Julie here. I am thrilled to tell you about the 15th annual Food Network New York City Wine and Food Festival taking place soon, October 13th through the 16th for its 15th year. Food Network personalities and more than 400 chefs, mixologists, and wine and spirit producers will come together to create an unforgettable Epicurean experience comprised of tastings, dinners, parties, brunches, lunches, masterclasses, and more. 100% of the net proceeds from New York City Wine and Food Festival go to God's Love We Deliver. God's Love We Deliver is New York City's leading provider of medically tailored meals and nutrition counseling for individuals living with severe illnesses. To date, New York City Wine and Food Festival has raised more than $14 million for its charitable causes. The festival provides a platform for the charity, which has a presence at events through activations and speaking opportunities that help strengthen existing relationships in the food, beverage, and hospitality industry, and also create new ones from on-site interactions. We are so excited to share that the Served Up crew will also be on the ground, bringing you the behind the scenes action at the festival. We hope you join us to eat, drink, and feed New York City by purchasing tickets on sale now at www.nycwff.org. And don't forget to follow at Served Up Podcast on all your favorite platforms. And if you're a long-term listener, please, 
leave a review. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers.